today is June 17th, 2020. I'm Christopher Page, and this is another episode of Just Some Guy Talking. So, just a little clarification. As I go forward, I'm looking to do, looking forward to doing my five-minute morning bites every day. I think that's kind of a great thing. It gives me some moments to think about what I want to talk about later on in the day. So, today in the morning bite, we spoke a little bit about how people don't think, or there's a certain segment of humanity that seems to think that COVID, coronavirus, however you wish to call it, is a big hoax. And I'm not really here to talk too much about that. Because honestly, if someone is alive now and thinks that this is a big hoax, that people are just dying and being, you know, having that death called COVID, I'm not sure who or how people would benefit from making this a hoax. I mean, all of the people that we saw on TV dying, was that just a joke? No, that was real. That was real life. People died. People are still getting sick. I believe it's like 9 million people around the globe, 2 million people in the U.S., something like that. Which, oddly enough, there's 9 million people incarcerated around the world and 2 million of them are in the U.S. Strange thought, right? Definitely would love to talk about that symbolism in a second or in a second episode, a later episode. But what I wanted to touch on is this. Two major thoughts. When I think of what's happening with COVID and how some people don't believe that it's as bad as it seems. It makes me think about how some people think racism and police brutality doesn't exist or it doesn't exist as it seems or it's a hoax. And in this moment, this isn't a moment for me to try to convince anyone. I mean, imagine you're in a fire and you can feel the flames, you can smell the smoke, you can hear people running. Or I guess, let's take that back for a second. You can smell the smoke, you can feel the heat, you hear people running, but you don't see the flames. Would it not be a prudent idea to get out of the building if worse came to worse and there actually were not flames? Let's just say for some reason it was just smoke. Maybe someone was vaping or something and that threw everybody for a surprise. I know that's a 
ridiculous example, but just run with it for a second. <laughs> How disenfranchised would you be if you lost a few minutes of your day making sure that the smoke that you see and the movement that you hear is unwarranted. I'd rather be wrong for five or ten minutes and find out, oh, hey, there was no fire, than be the one that says, you know what, I don't see the fire. I see all of the symptoms, all of the indicators, but I'm not really sure there's a fire. That could just be something of the same. So my question is, where do people get allegiances to causes that go contrary to just general thought, general common sense? If for years people have been saying that police brutality has been going on, if for years people have been stating the effects of racism, instead of just saying or just thinking that, well, you know, maybe people are being too sensitive, maybe they're not understanding, maybe they're misreading the behavior, how much would it hurt to stop for five minutes and ask someone, ask someone who says they've been through experience with racism, with police brutality, ask them what their experience is, and if then you find that that's not true, then you can be justified in your belief that there is a person that had an experience that they call racism and you don't. But if there's nine, I'm sorry, eight billion people in the world, if there's 300-something million Americans, 13% of them African-American, so thinking roughly, you know, thinking roughly in this country, that would basically be maybe like 90 million people. you think that something that affects 90 million people could possibly be true? So, my thought is, this is a moment in history to be on the right side of history. I think it's important for everyone to understand where they are in this fight, and Ask those questions. Ask your questions. You may not get a comfortable answer. Maybe you need to read about it first, and that might be more comfortable. But racism and police brutality and all of the isms, but specifically in this moment we're talking about racism and police brutality. This is the time to do right and to do better for everyone. This is the time for everyone to examine how do we fit into this? 
am I perpetuating stereotypes? And you might say, why is that important? Yes, that's the ultimate goal is that we can eliminate police brutality. But that has to come from reform and policing, which is what people are working on, which includes how are we policing people? And that's why we have to take a harder look at what racism is, what prejudice is, what prejudging is, and what it does to people. And why that's so important is take the case of the Central Park Karen. I don't remember her name. And honestly, I'm really moving toward a piece where I feel when people do something that's heinous, I don't really want to give them any type of shine. I don't want to give them any space in my life, so I don't even want to repeat their name. But Central Park Karen, as you may or may not know, was a lady that approached an African-American man. Actually, let me rephrase that. She was approached by an African-American man who was birdwatching in Central Park who asked her to put her dog on a leash because dogs running, line, running wild in a birdwatching area can disturb the entire process. Also, dogs are supposed to be leashed. Also, this was not a dog park. So, for many reasons, and more, he asks her multiple times to put the dog on a leash. And she says that she's going to call the police and tell them that she's being threatened by an African-American man. And then, as he's taping her, she's fully aware that he's taping her, she calls 911. The most damning thing about it is that she was aware of what that specific thing would do. What I'm indicating is this. It's not that she was just calling the cops and gave that description. She let him know ahead of time, I'm going to call 911 and tell them that an African-American man is threatening me. So Central Park Karen was already bought into the system of racial injustice. She was already aware of how to use her privilege and how that privilege could cause a lack of freedom for this man. So when we talk about racism being alive and well, that is what we mean. This wasn't deep in the South where it's been pretty much understood that racism is a little bit more forthright. But in the new in the north people tend to make their comments and make their racism covered and cloistered and behind closed doors, more microaggressions. It was problematic to see this woman be completely aware that she could cause this man's demise. She could have caused with 
the wrong gang and the wrong police officer, she could have been the one to cause another George Floyd situation. Thank God it didn't. But that's the point. Where does this stop? Where in her upbringing did someone tell her that it was okay to do that? And if it wasn't in her upbringing, where in her life did she learn that trigger? And it's just like dog whistle politics when certain people mention law and order. And law and order is an old 60s term that was used during the times of tumultuous integration where a specific official used that term to mean the reinforcement of segregational standards, the reinforcement of separation by law, by force. So when people say that they don't believe something, that they don't believe racism is still around, You have to look at situations like that because this behavior, what she did, was multi-level. She had an executive position at a company. So what does this mean for her interactions with people of color? Did she manufacture situations to use people's prejudices against a worker? Did she orchestrate situations that would fan the fire of a racial stereotype or some type of stereotype? And these are questions that I'm left with when I first heard about this, I just thought this is insidious. Because it was more important to her to use the power she thought she had to put that man in his place. So, this is why everyone needs to dig down, dig deep, and figure out what they don't know about people and why it's important to know things about people. And ask yourself, have you ever done something that appropriates a culture? Have you ever done something that uses your space in this whole wheel of racism, wheel of power in culture against someone? And I think immediately of accents. Actors learn how to make accents. Actors learn how to imitate people. But how many people growing up figured out how to imitate another person, maybe a friend of theirs that might have had an accent, and is imitating an accent a moment of appreciation, saying, I love the way this person speaks or is it a moment of 
comedy at the expense of someone's difference? And for me, that was an interesting question. I'm sure that there are deeper, more pressing questions in the moment. But what does it mean to appreciate a culture? What does it mean to not prejudge someone? And I think it really boils down to anyone that's in this day and age and thinks that police brutality is just George Floyd. If someone thinks that the Central Park Karens, if that's just isolated incidents, we have to take a hard look at the truth. These things are happening. And if you want to know, you can ask someone go to Google and find things out, but I'm just saying that we can start having those conversations. This is the moment to look our intersectional fears in the face. I sometimes have said to friends that, you know, in 2020, I really don't feel like I need to educate other people. And then I realize that this is the best time to educate people. And it is going to take extra energy. And it is going to take more uncomfortable conversations. And it is going to take uncomfortable moments where we say things to people like, Hey, what you just said isn't right. And here's why. Or more so taking the moment to say, This is how what you said affects me. It's not going to be easy. But when people look back, when you look back on this moment in 10 years, would you want to just say, well, yeah, everything happened and things changed. But you know, my friends are still not aware. My world is still not aware. Or would you want to be able to say, you know what, this gave me pause Seeing George Floyd gave me a moment to realize what could happen to me and how even if I just move the needle a little bit, maybe I can prevent something bad happening to someone. And I'll give an example just to close it out, why it's so important to get beyond what just what we think or just what the people who satisfy our confirmation biases in our life what they think. I have a friend who's a Republican and I'm independent and my friend has a lot of status quo ideas. And when I say status quo, what I mean is that this friend wants to or believes that we should keep so many things the way they are. He calls himself a constitutionalist. He feels, for example, that LGBT rights should not have to be written separately as LGBT rights because, or I'm sorry, LGBTQIA rights because we're all Americans. So we've had that discussion. But he said something to me which really 
gave me a little bit more fire to keep going and trying to reach people the way that I could. He said to me that his mother, when we were talking about Pete Buttigieg, and he's a, a gay mayor in South Bend, Iowa, I believe, Indiana. I'm really bad with the states that start with I. I know that's really silly, but... <laughs> so, anyway, he was watching TV with his mom. She said to him that she didn't know if she was ready for a gay president. She was responding to a question that came up on a a show, I think it was like Dateline or something, a question that was posed. So she said that, and he tells me that she said then that the minute that she said it, she knew that she was wrong. And I said to him, this is the first step. She's not wrong for asking that question. She asked herself an introspective question that caused her to think about what she thinks. And that's part of the process. Just like it's part of the process for me to listen to people who have different viewpoints from me. Sometimes it takes everything in me because I'm so staunch in my beliefs to even step outside of the box. It's very hard for me to listen to someone that doesn't think that police brutality is an issue or that racism exists. But if you hear from their perspective, then you understand how they came about, or I'm sorry, how they came to their thought and where there's space to agree. Not everyone's going to just wake up one day and say, hey, all of these things are wrong. We need to fight them. It's going to happen piece by piece, bit by bit. And it's a willingness to continue contributing to that, I think, that is the most ultimate thing. And that's what makes us as Americans, Americans. Because we're constantly fighting to be better. Whatever that means. But I think in this day and time, it's not really about everyone agreeing on every single point, but on a great deal of people agreeing on major points, things that need to be changed. So, I think it's really important right now to get past the myths, understand the truths, listen to other people's realities, and that's where we can grow. So those are my thoughts today. Just some guy talking about myths and reality. This is Chris Page, Just Some Guy Talking. I hope you have a great day.